0: So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. I need to start this episode by saying that Nora McInerney has the best taste in husbands. Second only to me, but, you know, I, I have to say that. But seriously, Nora has picked two winners. She's picked great dads, great husbands, great men, the kind of men that you just want to be around all the time. And this is our first story that we're dividing into two episodes because there are two beautiful love stories here, both of them Nora's. We hear from a lot of our listeners who've been divorced or they've lost their spouse and there's just one thing that
1: they want to know. Could this happen again? Could this happen again? mm -hmm. Can lightning strike twice? Can magic happen twice? It's actually statistically more likely to strike twice in the same spot. You know that? That was Nora.
0: So can it? Can you fall madly in love, lose someone, and fall madly in love again? Nora McInerney had a grand love story. I love her love story. She met the man that she wanted to spend the rest of her life with, who she wanted to have babies with and grow old with and watch their babies have their own babies. But life didn't work out the way that she
1: planned. In 2011, My boyfriend had a seizure when he was at work, and it turned out that the reason for the season, his joke, was a brain tumor. And the brain tumor was cancer, and the cancer was bad, and the cancer would kill him three years later. But in between, a lot of other things happened. We got married, we had a baby. His name is Ralph. Hi, I'm Ralphie. And life was really good and normal. And then the shadow caught up with us. When it happened, I was beyond sad or devastated. I was feeling things that don't even have words and sometimes feeling nothing at all because depression. I knew that I would love again. I knew this in part because also people like to say that, too. At Aaron's funeral, more than one person reassured me that at 31, I was still young, still beautiful, and would find someone else. I knew that was true, but I didn't know how hard it would be. I'm Joe Piazza.
0: This is Committed. This first episode is about Nora's first love story, her love story with Aaron, And I need to tell you that the whole time she tells me this in the American public media studio in St. Paul, Minnesota, the hero of her second love story, Matthew, is sitting right next to her, holding her hand, staring at her like she is just the greatest thing he's ever seen in his entire life. He's right. He's right here the whole time. So just keep that in mind. But let's rewind. And that's my rewinding noise. Even I, think it, I think it actually sounds more like a truck backing up, but you guys know what I mean. We're going back to when Nora first met Aaron. Nora was in her mid-20s, and she'd just moved home from New York City to Minneapolis temporarily because she was
1: burnt out. I'd spent a lot of time in New York really doing nothing of interest. I had terrible taste in men. I was dating this guy where I would say that we were high and or drunk the entire relationship, probably mostly. And also a big part of me was still very Midwestern and thought, oh my God, TikTok, if I don't meet somebody, oh my God, like heaven forbid I get another year older and don't lock it down. Anyways, um, I moved back to Minnesota. It was just temporary. I was not planning to stay. I I kept my job in New York and, and commuted back and forth occasionally and just worked remotely. And then I was out and I was standing with my only friends who are my cousins. And this guy came up to me and was like, you're Nora McInerney. And those are my three favorite words. Now, she couldn't quite place this guy.
0: And he probably could tell that because he was like, I'm Aaron. We follow
1: each other on Twitter. Apparently, they had been tweeting about Taylor Swift. I handed him the Taylor Tells All issue of People magazine, and he accepted it. And he said, this is so great. Thank you. You know, I'm not gay, right? And nothing makes you think a dude is gay like him telling you that he isn't for no reason. Um, but he was so funny and so cool, and he was like, come meet my friends. So Nora follows him to this bar with her cousin. She
0: gets there, and there's like a 100 people there. Most of them are Aaron's friends, all just sitting around, having a good time. Then Aaron disappears, and for a brief moment, Nora thinks that he just invited
1: her there to be nice. I look across the dance floor. He's holding two Coors Lights. He takes a running start. He slides on his knees to my cousin and I presenting us with two silver bullets. I laughed so hard, and that was kind of it. Like, we were just together.
0: They exchanged Gmail addresses, which led to G-chatting. Remember when everyone was G-chatting all the time? No one was getting any work done?
1: And then Aaron asked her out right away. We met at Loring Pasta Bar, and I assumed that we would just be at the bar and, like, drink, but he had a table, and he had ordered an appetizer already. And he was afraid he would be late. So he stopped to get me presents at the gas station because he had to get gas and he was afraid he'd be late. So he got me a scratch-off ticket and a ring pop. And I said, is this how you propose? And he said, absolutely. And then we just talked that whole night for like hours. And he was like, look, I, I probably only want two kids. And I was like, well, I want four. So how about three? And he's like, well, I call stay-at-home parent. And like, absolutely. I would be so bad at that.
0: They were together for about a year. It was Halloween, and they just moved in together, even though Nora's parents didn't know that yet, and they had these big plans to hand out Halloween candy together. When you're in your late 20s and you're in a relationship, handing out Halloween candy is about the peak of domesticity.
1: Then my phone rang.
0: Okay, quick break time. I know, I know, could I have picked a more awkward moment for a break? But I love a cliffhanger, even a really contrived one. Who's on the other end of that phone call? We'll be right back to find out. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. Nora's at work.
1: Her phone rings. I answered. I was like, what do you want? And it wasn't Aaron. It was his coworker. And he was like, hey, we're just uh, calling to see if Aaron's ever had a seizure before. And I was like, funny, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seizures all the time. Bye. So the guys at Aaron's office were pulling pranks all the time. So it seemed natural that they would also just take your phone and prank call your girlfriend and be like, Aaron's dead. Aaron wasn't dead, but he had had a seizure. I walked into the ER. I was like looking for, I got there first. Like I beat the ambulance there. Right. So I was waiting like a dipwad and then they're like, oh, he's here. And I opened the curtain to his room and he like is shaking uncontrollably. I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, gotcha. What is, why am I here? What is going on? I think I'm probably just hungry. I'm like, I know this is so annoying. Like who would bring you to a hospital? Like when can we go? So we're just sitting there laying in the little hospital bed. He's like pretending to like, Pee in the bedpan. Um, I'm taking photos of him pretending to be dead. We just were like, what a fun day. Like, I can't wait to tell people about this. Like, when we went to the hospital, like, who goes to the hospital? Who goes to the hospital? hospital. We're so young and healthy. This is crazy. It's so dumb. And I I remember asking the nurses, like, we have to hand out candy tonight. It's Halloween. We're like a couple. The doctor was like, well, you know, we did this test and that test, and now he has to have an MRI. I'm like, sure, whatever. I went home to get, you know, toothbrushes and clothes and face wash and moisturizer and all the necessities. And when I got back uh, to his room, it was really quiet. And we had had dozens of people in his hospital room, like just so many people. It It was like somebody had brought pizzas. We were having a pizza party. I walked in and I just remember all of his friends were standing along like one wall. And they all looked as if like they'd just been like physically deflated. And Aaron said, I have a brain tumor. And I remember I crawled into bed with him and put my head against his head. And he said, they think it's small. And I said, your brain? He said, the tumor. And I was like, okay. And I just thought, well, now he's going to die. Like, so I guess like falling in love was worth it. (laughs) Like, I just remember like going through like the worst case scenarios and just being like like he's gonna die and it's gonna be soon it's gonna be the worst and we'd been talking about like when should we get married and I remember just laying there and being like we need to get married like we should get married like as soon as you get out of here we're gonna get married and he was like I don't think you should marry me and I was like well I'm going to this is what we're doing. I, I really don't care what you think about it because <laughs> I'm going to marry you. And like that got to just be like our little secret. So a couple days later, he had brain surgery. And I remember thinking, like, if he comes out, like, we're going to get married. I remember his mom being like, this isn't right. Like, you just found each other. And I was like, oh, well, we're going to be married. Like, I'm going to marry him. And even her saying to me, but it's going to be really hard Like, this could be really hard. This could be really bad. And I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the alternative seemed like just as bad. Um, It's, I don't know how to explain. It's like when, I don't think that like marriage is the only way to like validate a relationship. But um, when you are, you know, 27 and your boyfriend is 31 and you realize like you don't you're not necessarily like given a spot in the room like it's 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 completely up to like the discretion of I mean of him and what HIPAA things he signs mm-hmm. or his parents. And um, and I didn't want him to feel like I was just there for like the fun stuff like I just I knew like I don't know I just knew I was like yes this is what like this is what I'm going to do. Nora told me that she's always been the kind
0: of person who was totally anxious about the future. And that anxiety paralyzed her from doing the things she really wanted to do. Nora and I have that in common. But Aaron was different. He always did what he wanted to do. And in that moment, Nora became a little bit more like Aaron.
1: We got married. Aaron had brain surgery November 3rd. So the good news was it was in a part of his brain that apparently was not doing much. They did all these tests, you know, it's like, oh, your language isn't there. Your personality's not there. Your, I don't know what. But what was there? Apparently not, like just a blank space because great. he was, he was fine after the brain surgery. And I know now a lot of people whose, whose loved ones had glioblastoma, which is what he had. And they changed, like they were not themselves and Aaron was still himself and we were just happy. I don't know. It was like just, we were just happy. They were really happy
0: and they wanted to have a baby. They wanted to do all of the things that you do when you get married, regardless of what could happen in the future. Let's pause that thought for a second and think about having a baby with someone with potentially terminal brain cancer. We'll be back in a moment. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Nora and Aaron decided they wanted to have kids at what I think is the most unlikely place in the world to decide to have kids. In fact, I think this place is a little bit like geographic birth control.
1: Yeah, we decided to do this at Disney World. We were with his niece and nephew and we'd spent like the whole day like pushing around their strollers and carrying their sweaty little bodies and listening to them throw fits and all these other kids throwing fits. And we were like, we just want to do this. Like we want to do all this, all this stuff. And Aaron was like, I don't know. I think it's braver for Aaron, Mm -hmm. honestly, because I remember him being like, what if I don't even get to be there? Like, like what if I like have a child and... Like, and then I have to miss out on everything. And I was like, if we don't have a child in the world misses out and I miss out and you miss out on, on like you being a dad and I, I can do it on my own. I don't, I don't want to, but like, I'd be fine. And again, no idea what I'm saying. I'm just like, yeah, I'd be fine. I can do it.
0: Ralph was a science baby. They did IUI because IVF was too expensive and even though they had good health insurance, brain surgery still is not cheap.
1: Three weeks before Ralph was born, Aaron's brain tumor was was definitely back. He had an MRI and it was like you could see it. It was there. And I just remember looking at it and being like, where were we when this was happening? Like when this was just like growing in your brain, what the fuck? And... I also remember just thinking like, I will be okay. This baby will be okay. I don't know if Aaron will be okay. But we have to do whatever we have to do. And the doctor had said, he's going to have another brain surgery. We have to have it as soon as possible. And this was in December, late December. And so we were like, I don't know, like, this was, this was like December 21st, let's say. And we were like, okay, so like January 3rd, maybe like after the holidays, he was like, no, like December 26th. We're like, oh, So Aaron had brain surgery and then started like this really intense chemo where he would be in the hospital for three days every month. Ralph was born a week to the day after Aaron finished that first kind of chemo. And I remember sitting there with him and being like, if I go into labor now, I'll be just two floors below him. <laughs> like, I'll be two floors below him and he won't be able to come down because he can't move for 48 hours or 24 hours after this, This after they put a needle into his leg artery and snake it all up to his brain to just basically pump him full of poison. Then he has to lay flat for 24 hours so he doesn't, like, pop an artery. But it didn't happen that way. Ralph
0: came the following week and Aaron got to be in the delivery room.
1: Right away, that baby just knew that he was not the most important thing in the world. <laughs> and he was so chill. Now, when I look at Ralph, I think, like, like Aaron was the brave one. Aaron was the brave one to be like, yeah, I'll do this. Like, because falling in love with your child is totally different. Mm-hmm. and um, And I think, like, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. I don't know if I would have been able to say like, yeah, like let's, let's create this little person and like, I know I won't be there when, when he's 18. Like maybe he'll be there when he's five. Maybe he'll be there when he's three, but like, I won't, I won't be there when he's 35. Like there's just no statistical possibility for that.
0: They always knew the cancer would come back, but they tried to live like it wasn't. And when I say that, I don't mean that they tried to live in some kind of Hollywood-style bucket list
1: kind of way. They just lived. There still wasn't, like, a frenetic energy to it. I think about that whenever people are like, if you only had one day to live, I'm like, you would do whatever boring shit you usually do. (laughs) You know, like, we just had people over to, like, grill in our backyard, and we watched Netflix, and we had brunch together, and we... You know, we weren't, like, darting all over the planet trying to, like, kick things off our bucket list. We were just, like, doing really normal stuff. And it was really a beautiful summer. It was really lovely. But also completely unspecial. Mm -hmm. Like, completely just a regular... You're just living your life. Just living your life. And that's, like, the special part of life and is, is truly just, like, the most basic parts of it.
2: Hello, this is Aaron. I'm fine. Just calling to see if you need me to do anything before you leave tonight and Gia gets here. I think you're texting me. Goodbye.
1: I knew from that summer that that was our last summer. Like, we'd known, you know, like, he was on hospice for two weeks, but before that, like, we knew. Two days after Aaron died, it was Thanksgiving, and then It was Christmas, then it was Ralph's birthday.
0: Ralph was only 22 months when Aaron died on November 25th, 2014. And that will bring us to Nora's second great love story. Like I said, Matthew has been sitting here this entire time listening to Nora's first love story, listening to how she met Aaron and how they fell in love and how they beat cancer and then how cancer beat them. And it can't be easy. It can't be easy to listen to the most important person in your world tell that kind of story.
2: It amazes me every time because it's is—it's an incredible story. And uh, it's incredibly sad. And there were so many times when we first met that she was like, she's like, I
1: can't believe you went through everything you went through.
0: We're going to stop here and give Matthew his own entire episode because he deserves it. Because this is an entirely new love story. Stay tuned until tomorrow.
2: This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. Special thanks to Aaron Permort, Nora McInerney, Matthew Hart, and the production team at Terrible Thanks for Asking. Be sure to pre-order Nora's new book, No Happy Endings, wherever books are sold. This episode was produced and edited by Ramsey Hunt and Tyler Klang with mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Mangesh Hatikater, and Will Pearson. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or you can send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's JO at committedpodcast.com. Committed now has apparel. To check out our store, visit tpublic.com slash committed. You can also grab a copy of Joe's new book, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed with Joe Piazza has been a production of the House Stuff Works family, produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia.